Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Let's go back to 2011 and look at the World Cup with Squidge. Let's go back to 2011 and look at the World Cup with Squidge. The Squidge Rugby World Cup Retrospective Podcast. Welcome to... I was expecting you to say that it's sponsored by something today. I, I had half a second of hope that you'd gain yeah. a sponsorship deal from somewhere and not told me about it because you want to keep all the royalties yourself or something like that, you know? We did really, really last minute. So I didn't get time to write like an Adam Buxton style nice. song, which is what I was hoping yeah. to do. I was hoping to write a jingle. But instead, yeah, we're now sponsored by uh, Squarespace. Don't know if you've oh, heard wow. Of wow. Okay. They sound good. But if you want to build a quality website, then uh, you should huh? head to Squarespace huh. and huh? you can make a beautiful website simply. Oh. Uh, and you should use the offer code Buxton. Yeah, that's that's good. That's that was offered to us um, because yeah, personally um, to us because of the Buxton water. Um, that's yes. where where we got that name from. I can't think of a rugby player called Buxton. Oh no! Okay, I tried my best. I'm sure there was one. I'm sure there was one. Uh, I'm going to look this up now. <sighs> Buxton rugby. Oh wait, there's a there's a place called Buxton. You get the RFC. town Buxton. Yeah. yeah. That's um, what I was thinking. No, I, yeah, I can't find a place. I used to work there. Mind. Well, not work there. I work. I did a few shifts there. I'm sure there is one. I'm sure there's a rugby player called Buxton. Yeah, Please I'm don't sure write in because we will have come to us in the night. Mm. This is the Squidge Rugby World Cup Retrospective Podcast. The Peter Buxton played for Gloucester. Peter Buxton was he a fly half? Yes. Okay. He was a flanker. Oh, flanker. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember him. I was thinking yeah. Gloucester, but. Yeah, yeah, played for played for Gloucester right. uh, until about twenty thirteen fourteen. Right. For some reason, played I thought it was an Australian fly half when you said his name, but clearly I've got something no. else stuck in my head. Uh, I can like picture uh, him in a Western a... Force T-shirt, but John I also can't Buxton. Okay, I don't know. Uh, who was also a flanker? Right. Won two caps for the All Blacks in the fifties. Okay, fair play. Well done, John go. Buxton. Well done, John Buxton. Yeah, yeah, thank you for help for being sponsored by Squarespace. Look. All I'm saying is don't actually Look, buy I, I don't, I wanna, don't use Squarespace I say until special... they actually sponsor us. No, I want to say especially congratulations to John Bucks on being sponsored by Squarespace, considering he died in 2007. Look, they're honouring his legacy. Yeah, you know, okay. if nothing else. But still, don't buy from Squarespace. Don't use their, their don't don't make a website with them. Unless... <laughs> but now they won't. Now they definitely won't sponsor us. Unless they sponsor us. If they sponsor us, then definitely, definitely use. Their How services. does it feel? On your end, to be one of the four podcasts not sponsored by Squarespace. Uh, it's what, what, what do you mean on your end? No, because there's two of us here. Yeah, you know, I know how I feel. Oh, that's, how do you feel? That's entirely fair. You don't have to ask how you feel, do you? Uh, I no. might ask later how you feel, though, if that's okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I feel a bit neglected by them, to be honest. Um, really? Yeah. It's, to be honest, I'm just really sad that we don't get to open this podcast by talking about who we're sponsored by. I know that there are adverts yeah. probably at the start of this, in the middle of this, and end of this. But, you know, I'd like to talk about that. Myself. Look, just 
if there's anybody who is interested in potential, I don't know. Let's just, I'm going to pick out a random product out of a hat and say men's grooming products, right? If there's anybody to do with that or any other, any company in the world that wants See, to sponsor us. okay. I want to say my dream sponsorship is I can't believe it's not butter. Why? I would, I just think, I just think they're great lads. Fair. And I think it'd be good if we could go, can't believe it's not butter, more like Tommy Boater. That's Ma- a good Backy's one. Boater. Backy's, I can't believe it's not Backy's Boater. Now, I'll tell you what, that is, that's free advertisement you've just given them. That's Because that's I've there. heard just that everybody who's heard this podcast has now just purchased Can't Believe It's Not Butter. Yeah, they were t- Kate Blanchett with the headphones over the years. Yeah. Took them into Asda or the closest supermarket, yeah. and forced them to purchase. I can't believe it's not butter, yeah. or I can't believe it's not butter and light. I'll tell you what, right? This is this is gonna blow people's minds even more. It basically is butter, but, but it's, it's not. not. Like you can't believe it's not butter. Like I can't. Like I couldn't believe it yeah. when they first told me that's not actually I butter. I I mean, my earliest memory is to do if I can't believe it's not butter. Really? Yeah. Tell me. Know, tell me are you, more. Are you not familiar with the story? I don't. No. I, I okay. don't know. Um, I think it says a lot about me, actually. It's kind of, it's, it's a very uh, apocryphal first memory. But it was whilst uh, our mother, who was yeah. the same, our, my mother is also the same person. Shout out, her. shout out. Yeah. And she was in hospital uh, getting ready to drop a sick new son. Oh, um, cool. By which I mean you. Best one, yeah. But it was sick in every sense of the word, because you're just disgusting. But no, whilst... She was in hospital, uh, which she'd gone into labour with you. Uh, mm-hmm. I was left with our our, our grandma, our that. grandmother, you know, yeah. And we were watching what I believe was Last of Summer Wine. Okay. Just because I remember we used to watch a lot of Last of Summer Wine whenever I was left with just her. And they were doing a bit on it where the bit was, they first took in, I can't believe it's not butter, to the mm-hmm. supermarket checkout. And then they kept bringing in other products that were, I can't believe it's not bread. I can't believe it's not beef. I can't believe it's not crisps. Right. I can't believe it's not whatever. Uh, and they kept going through and getting louder and louder laughs. And I remember, and I was about 18 months old at this point, that I remember deconstructing the joke in my brain and going, oh, it's funny because the first item is real and the others aren't. So that's why that's a joke. Right. And that's and why... That is my earliest memory. The, I was about 18 months old. The only funny jokes you've ever made since then have been about, I can't believe it's not butter. Yeah, it was it was that one. Like, there was and... that really funny moment when I came home and you saw me for the first time and you said, oh, I can't believe it is brother. <laughs> yes, that was really good. Yeah. Uh, all the time I saw some butter and I said in a sarcastic tone of voice, I can't believe that's not butter. Right. But it was butter, oh. which is why it was funny. Man. Look, if you're, you've tuned into this podcast thinking it's going to be something good, just write in, I can't believe it's not Buxton. Yes, thank you. Okay, so we should briefly mention the rugby that we're supposed to talk about, which is Ireland's 36-6 win over Italy from the 2011 Rugby World Cup. Mm-hmm. This was the final game of the pool stage, not just for Ireland and Italy, but overall. Yeah. These two teams had met in the Six Nations earlier that year, where Ireland won 13-11 in Rome in Stadio Flaminio, one of the last games they played there. Maybe the last game they played there, actually. Oh. Brian O'Driscoll scored the only try for Ireland, and then Luke McLean popped up in the last five minutes and made it really tense, but yes. Converge was missed, they didn't draw. Yes. 
So, I mean, the thing is, this was billed before the game. Like, Nick Mullins is on the commentary and was saying, like, oh, this is a really big encounter. And he sort of billed it beforehand as, like, this is Ireland versus Italy for a spot for the quarterfinals. We all knew Ireland were going to win and Italy were going to finish third. But I did like the dramatisation of it. And, I mean, that sounds very demeaning to Italy because, you know, I was... You know, we did a preview for the third round of the Six Nations where we said Mm. Italy could beat Ireland, maybe. So, you know, I don't want to sound too down on Italy. But I think just with the the team Ireland fielded, we felt very confident that they were going to progress into the quarterfinals. And hey, who knows what could happen to Ireland in the quarterfinals? (laughs) Well, uh, anything could happen. You know, their results are so varied in quarterfinals. Yeah. Do you want a comparison of the two teams from the Six Nations against the two teams that played this week? Go on. Or as it were in the World Cup? Go on. So the Irish back three in the World Cup was Rob Carney, Tommy Bowe, Keith Earls. Yeah, okay. back three. Their first choice, you know, the best they could put out. Yeah. In the Six Nations, Keith Earls remained, but on the wing was Fergus McFadden, okay. and at fullback, Luke Fitzgerald. Oh yeah, this was the year where they experimented with Fitzgerald at fullback. Yeah, and yeah, And they yeah. didn't take him to the World Cup. Yeah. And they actually chose not to take him, didn't they? Yeah, he was he was dropped, he was left out. Yeah, because there was talk of them just starting Gavin Duffy at fullback, but they ended up going oh, wow. with McFadden. Yeah, well, McFadden, I, sorry, I can remember um, during this World Cup, Leinster were playing Fitzgerald at 12. Yeah. And it it was a weird sort of selection, but he's one of those pl- players who's played anywhere from, you know, wing, centre and fullback. But yeah. it seemed really strange because they were using him as like a big crash ball option while all the big boys were missing. And it felt he really came weird. through as a really pacey 13. Yeah. And then he adapted his say into a big 12 so he could play alongside O'Driscoll. And he played on the wing as well. I remember the first time I saw him play on the wing was during the international period for the Scar- against right. the Scarlets. And then he kind of got into the Ireland team as a winger yeah. and played a bit at 13. Because obviously you had this guy called Brian O'Driscoll who was keeping him on out. Yeah, that guy. Nerd. Yeah. But they had O'Driscoll and Darcy in centres and it then becomes sort of, you know... Less interesting, but the team is significantly, significantly stronger in the yeah. World Cup. You know, like there's a lot of players missing yeah. in the Six Nations by the end of that campaign. Whereas they have their full strength. That is what you would picture as the first strength Irish team from this era For was sure. there. The only real, the contentious thing about uh, Murray and Agara starting as the halfbacks over Sexton yeah. and Reading. So Redden started against Australia in that win. Mm. And then the thing is, I still just thought this was them blooding Murray. So it's sort of like, this is a game where it would be a, t- a tough task for a young Conor yeah. Murray at this point. You know, he was very much still new to international rugby. But, you know, it's enough that we'll be able to win with him and he'll have that experience of winning in the starting jersey. But no, it turned, that was just them going, this is our starting halfback combination, you know. Yeah. That Ogara's the man that they were willing to pick. And to be fair, I think Ogara had a very good game here. Yeah, I do. I agree. And I think Murray did. Yeah, he you did. Know, I think Murray... There's a point in which Nick Mullins on commentary says that thing that used to be said of him and Mike Phillips a yeah. lot, which is they're like a, like a knight forward. Yeah. You know, they're like an extra forward. Because it was such a novelty to see a number eight, or a number nine rather, who was big yeah. and who could pick up and carry a bit. Yeah. And he did cause a level of chaos there. Yeah. In that way that you kind of forget. Yeah. You forget because Colin Murray became, has become such a standard issue nine, you know, yeah. that the thing that stands out about him is his kicking rather than sure. anything else. Yeah. And his experience, I guess, now, which very much couldn't be the case then. But then it was his size and it was the fact that he would pop up and he'd make these big carries. And there's a point at which they used him to kind of batter it up off a line out where he throws a little dummy and goes straight into the 10. Yeah. And that's really interesting to look back on it, the way he hasn't evolved his game so much as the games evolved around him and he's had to change with it. Sure. And I think it's why he had that dip in form right before he became the best scrum off in the world around 2017-16-ish. He had a sort of dip around 2015, 
where I think the game caught up with him and he then had yeah. to adapt with it. I don't think, because Conor Murray used to do this thing where whenever he was within five minutes of the trial, he'd always done me and go himself because he really yeah, wanted yeah. to rack up his yeah. international tries, clearly. Uh, and he, like sometimes it'd come off. Like I remember he scored a try against the All Blacks where he went for it. He, did, he had one or two against Wales. Didn't he have one where he's... Oh, no, no. Yeah, there was one he scored for the Lions, which is actually the right call because yeah. everybody faded off him. But he used to have this habit of just going for the line, just on weird... Yeah, yeah. Like, Gareth Davis does it all the time still. Yeah. But I think Con- Conor Murray's had that completely beaten out of his game, that he's yeah, so yeah. much more likely to just feed it to... And like, both him and Jameson Gibson Park are great at this, just really like getting the best out of their pack. Uh, and Ireland are particularly, particularly good for sort of... That, that old thing of bringing forwards around the corner. Yes. Which used to be good as just a thing of just like, oh yeah, his forwards running onto the ball. When now we've just realised, no, just get forwards, get them to run and pass them the ball. No, but England but, started doing it again. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, Ireland bring people around the corner to sort of surprise the defence and get them into mm. the defender's eye line quite late. Yeah. And it's a really effective strategy because obviously they're all planning for what's going because they've trained with this a billion times. Whereas the opposition have to like, adapt on the fly and make big tackles and they're often conceding yards and it was really effective against Italy last week actually I yeah. know that we're talking about the wrong game here but yeah we're talking about three different England no Ireland Italy yeah games. it's confusing isn't it I say England have started doing it a lot off line up or with under Amor uh, these last sort of year or so yeah England are doing it more and more and that Anthony Watson try comes from doing it repeatedly yes from against Wales yeah oh, of course yeah no that's a really good example actually yeah. Carl Sinclair's like one of the perfect forwards for that job uh, because like he's so good on the ball and like his, his groundwork's always spot on Yeah, and that's sort of the most yeah. underrated part of Sinclair's game that you never really see him screwing up the groundwork no they also and it's a again this is a weird thing because I do think we said this off air but mm-hmm. I think Tom Curry's had two of his worst games in the yeah. shirt the Six Nations but they keep using him as this kind of dummy runner in that position sure. and he's really effective at it because mm. he's got a turn of pace but he is a big carrier yeah. and he's really good at picking a, a dummy line coming around the corner which is such a specific skill Yeah, but he does it excellently and he does it again twice in the lead up to the Watson try yeah. where he's just there in the eye line yeah. and you do turn and look at him you know you go hey look it's Tom Curry yeah, of course, because you still got to defend him, haven't you? Because, as you yeah. say, he's a big unit. If you don't stack up a few defenders against him, he's going to carry hard. So mm. it's easy to forget like why Tom Curry was so good and got into the England team in the first place when he has a couple of bad games. But he does do stuff like that really effective still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I I haven't forgotten why he got into the England team in the first place. Sure. Because he's you know still I mean. incredibly good, even yeah. though, yeah. Like I said, the game against Scotland was the worst I've ever seen him play yeah. by some distance. I thought he was terrible, yeah. like, actively bad. But yeah. Uh, the Italy team, to touch on yes. those as well, pretty much, again, had their strongest team out. Uh, no Luke McLean, who's dropped out. Yeah. According to ESPN Scrum, Luke McLean came on at number eight, but I don't Did recall he? that. Huh. Yeah, he is listed at number eight. Around. Yeah, I don't remember Parise going off, so... Well, maybe Parise moved to ten, and he came on for him. True. That probably did happen, to be honest. They probably, yeah, moved Parise to ten instead of bringing on Richard Blowjob. Uh, Ricardo yes. Bacchino. But no, it's a good Italy team. I mean, Andrea Marzi at fullback over McLean is obviously, it's a pretty much a toss-up at this point, that selection between yeah. those two. Um, they've both had pretty good World Cups thus far. Uh, ben Venuti's had a few stand-up performances. Well, the one against Russia in particular, and he was good against yeah. the USA, who was unlucky Swanson enough to finish a couple of tries. Rather than 13. Uh, Bergamasco, I suppose, is the goal kicker. So I guess, you know, he's somewhat and- justified. They then go with the all Gonzalo midfield. 
Yes, Canale and Garcia. Not so speedy Gonzalos. Nice. That's that was a good joke, man. Like you. you should you should Thank branch you. out from there. I can't you believe should... it's not butter thing. I was gonna say it's not not so I can't believe it's not butter, Gonzalos. I can't believe it is banter. <laughs> Whereas if you compare this to the team that played in the Six Nations, mm-hmm. they had Chris Burton. Oh Christ. Oh yeah, wasn't Chris it like, Burton started. Wasn't it like a controversial thing that Chris Burton wasn't picked for this World Cup? Yeah, because he was he signed for the Dragons and was dropped. Yeah, and he then ended up playing for the Dragons during the World Cup period, and that was the moment everyone went, "Wait a second, is he shit?" Yeah, and like it was one of those things where we'd convinced ourselves that he was decent. It was bizarre, wasn't it? It was yeah. like this weird collective delusion that Chris Burton was good. There's there's so many players I look back on now that played internationally like ten years ago, and I think like, mm. oh my god, I rated them. They were like they were shit the whole time. Yeah, and especially you know. It's not even like an ant finger thing where we no. look back 10 years on and we go, oh, actually, he wasn't that effective. But sure. I was watching a different part of the game or I wasn't watching closely or judging by a different standard. Yeah. Chris Burton was always bad, I think. I think but so. But we just, for some reason, a load of us, not everyone, but a lot of people went actually really solid signing, actually really shrewd signing by yeah. the Dragons here. Actually, you know, because he kicked the ball, you know, sure. because he, he had a solid kicking game. Yeah. Nothing else. Yeah. Yeah, what a weird player, man, Chris yeah. Burton. That's that's a strange thought. Like, even we're, we're doing a podcast on the 2011 World Cup and Chris Burton feels ancient. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. He felt like he should be gone well before this World Cup. Yeah. So, quickly to just finish touching on the, the two teams. I mean, as you say, mm. the, the Irish pack is huge. The back row of Ferris O'Brien and Heaslip is such a huge back row. And mm. Giraldini and Castro in the front row for Italy, alongside Salvatore Perugini playing his last game for the Azuri. Yeah, who ha- then had to move his side of the scrum as well. Yeah, which is... Had to have a really tricky game where he had to move from that was, that was a to really, Castro off really tough game for him because yeah. obviously Lechichiro comes on and just first scrum, Mike Ross just completely eats him alive. Bless him. Yeah. But they, the scrum was back and forth at first. Yeah. And it wasn't level. It was one scrum was completely on top of the other and yeah. destroying them. And it alternated by scrum. Sure. Uh, and it wasn't even who had the put in. It was whoever got eaten last then ate. Yeah, they were hungry now. But for um, me, that then felt Castro like... goes off injured. Yeah, and Perugini moves to tight head, and it becomes Italy have one or two scrums where they're on top. That was but like otherwise half it's... an hour into the game, and that scrum yeah. just felt like the point where it's just like Ireland are going to win this game because yeah. it was like six all at that point, and it just felt like if I if Italy can't at least get some kind of a foothold in the scrum, if Ireland are just going to completely dominate them, then that's going to be it. That's going to yeah. be the way the game goes. Because it was that era of Italy where they had a massive pack and their backs weren't of much use. Yeah. Um, but at the time, you start to say, oh, you know, they've got two good players in Marcy and Benvenuti coming through. Yeah. It wasn't like nowadays where you go, actually, they've got a full generation of really sure. good talented backs coming yeah. through. You know? And also, like you're saying about that, the, their pack, like they didn't have many players who could be trusted sort of in the loose, ball in hand. No. Like they had some really nice patterns that they'd play off 10. And mm. there was a few nice things where, where sort of they play out the back with Marcy as like a second distributor. But frankly, like you need your forwards to be able to distribute as well. And Parise was really the only one who was actually good at it. There's one point where they play two phases and they work an overlap. Yeah. And they have, in that very modern day fashion, they have a lock stood in as kind of the outside of a pod. Sure. And he looks to swivel. It's Golden Hayes. Golden Golden Hayes. Yeah. Um, who looks to swivel and give the pass, but he just drops it on the floor in front of him. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's like a, a properly pathetic game, pass. 
Yeah, yeah like, it's really sad. Well, Cuero gives this really lovely, like, out of the back, you know, this yeah. delicious offload to him. And Gelden Hayes is just eyeing up the winger like, Benvenuti, yeah, like, you get ready, I'm about to send you to the try line. And then he just basically drops it in front of him. And it's... it goes about three metres along the floor, forward. It's funny not and sad. Yeah, pass, it is. You know, it's like it's the kind of pass that would do well at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Yeah, and like bear, <laughs> yes, yeah, sure. Bear in mind, like Gelden Hayes has had some really nice touches in this World Cup. Mm. There's a, there's been a couple where he hasn't passed it, but like he set up that Parise try against the USA, and he he, he is a good player, ball in hand usually. Yeah, yeah, and stuff like that. And like, there's there's one where Castro gets it, and they're playing a little shape off ten, and mm. the idea is that they're going to play out the back with Marzi and spread it wide to Benvenuti, and again, like Castro has to spin as he takes it, and he's got all the time in the world to deliver a good pass, and he just doesn't. It's just a really mm. poor pass that he gives, and Marzi drops it, and then Ireland get a load of pressure on the scrum, and I believe that's not long before. Tommy Bowe, in theory, scores a try. Yes. Where Sean O'Brien just carries into the heart of the Italian defence and takes about three people with him and somehow manages to free an offload to Tommy Bowe, who juggles the ball a bit and runs it in under the posts. What do you, What was your opinion on this? I think that's a try. I think that's fine. Yeah. Basically, what happens is the offload goes backwards, but Bowe has to yeah. bat the ball forward to recover it because he's yeah. coming at such space. The camera angle does make it look like it goes forward, but it I agree does, it also goes but... backwards. I think that pass goes backwards and Bo knocks it forward but regabs it before he hits Agreed. any level of the ground. Agreed. And I don't think he... Because it's, it's a real grey area about batting it over people's heads and stuff, but I don't think he gained yeah. an advantage by the way he, he knocked it forward. No, I think he's he's trying to catch it. Yeah. But because he's coming at such pace and he's got such a small window to try and catch the yeah. ball, he doesn't have time but to put his hands up My point anything. is you know, I don't think he, he like, bat it passed anybody it. or anything. Like, no, no. Because I think that it is a grey area and I think that if somebody gains an advantage by tapping it over somebody's head or whatever, mm. then that's probably a knock-on. But I don't think Bo does i think it is a clean no. try i think that's fine the other thing i want to ask your opinion on is um okay. what's your opinion on being one of the four podcasts that isn't sponsored by squarespace well i think it's actually a fantastic opportunity okay because just two weeks ago i launched my own competitive service to build beautiful websites called triangle space okay and now triangle space is aimed at people who want to build a website entirely using a basic instrument that you would use as a child okay. to 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 you know play songs such as Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Tune, uh, isn't it? Isn't it a banger? Yeah. yeah. Have you heard David Guetta's remix of it? Oh, so bad. It's, I love so it. it's. I mean, it's yeah. Like it's. I sh- I'm ashamed of how much I enjoy that. Um, it's it it it's really yeah, a website where you just you just tap a note on a triangle. And it turns it into a website for you. It's so intuitive. It's so simple. Anyone could do it, even a child, in the way Squarespace claim, but are wrong. And for that, I will be taken to court and using all the money I make from going to court with my 28 lawyers to try and get Triangle Space properly off the ground. Well, good luck to you. And I'm pretty sure we've just gained 12 lawyers. Yes. We, we've got lawyers all the time. We, yeah. We've got lawyers coming up our ass. That's true. You know, like because lawyers, like, a few of them quit in the last week or so, and we always have people applying to each other, lawyer you know? Exactly. We've got, so many lawyers know each other, you know? They're just because, like, oh, do you want to come and join I don't know if you knew lawyers? this, sure. but this podcast is massive. Like, everyone really listens good. to it. Like, it's it's, really it's so good. Like, it's, it's really, really, really good yeah. podcast. Yeah. I, yeah, I really, yeah, yeah. Like, I Hence really why Squarespace sponsors Yeah, I listen to it all the time as well. Do you? Yeah, I listen to it loads. Okay. Anyway, like rugby. So yeah, Tommy Bowe scores 
a non-trial. Oh yeah, it's worth. I, I forgot to mention that trial was disallowed. Um, yeah, that trial was disallowed. Yeah, yeah, it was given as a knock-on when, frankly, it probably should have been. But I mean, right. I've written here. This is totally an interesting. Interesting thing because the TMO was not allowed to step in because at the time the TMO could only comment on things that happened in the act of scoring or over the try line. Right. Yeah. So that meant he couldn't check that forward pass. The referee had to go with a gut decision on whether or not yeah. it was forward. And it got me thinking in the fact that, you know, people often say the TMO kills games. That game True. was played nowadays. That try is given. Yeah. I Whereas it's not then. Yeah. Um, like because the thing with referee the referee had to take a guess. The controversial seat, Liam Williams try from a couple of weeks ago mm. with the, the restamp it's so-called knock-on. I think 10 years ago, the referee would have just straight up called that as a knock-on. Whereas having the benefit of saying on-field try to a TMO yeah. who can then overrule you means that referees have more of a tendency to say play on and we saw it exactly. in the, the oh my god I'm going to confuse everybody here but the Ireland-Italy game in the 2021 Six Nations there was that mm. point where James Lowe did a very clearly forward pass to Kelleher yes and they and kept playing and they nearly scored yeah. and it, it, it waited until the TMO was going to come in because you assumed that Kelleher was going to slide over and the referee would go TMO is it a try yes no mm. and instead Kelleher gets tackled Ireland gets to play on for a bit and then eventually like a minute later the touch is just like Hey, you know that knock-on that there was a minute <laughs> yeah. ago? Fancy calling that back? But it, I think it allows for a better and more open game. I agree. Rather than the referee calling stuff up immediately. Agreed. You know, you get a chance to see advantage, and you get a chance to see how things would play for out. sure, I agree. Uh, in a different way. Yeah, and I would like to see that Tommy Bow try given, you know? Yeah. Part of the problem is the thing Bowden Barrett tweeted about the other day, that, you know, too often water boys come on in between breaks, as, as England are well mm. aware. Or, you know, he was saying that there's a stoppage yet seemingly... Every single scrum in every line out. Yeah. Uh, when he was watching the. Pro- I don't know if you saw Bowden Barrett's tweet. No. That he tweeted he was watching a Premiership game. I think it was the Bath game from the weekend. Right. And he was complaining was that there's. It was a midnight kickoff in Japan. Mm. I did check this to see if Bowden Barrett's just. His sleep patterns has ruined his mind. Maybe he's just a big yeah, fan so of Rich Priestland. He is a massive fan of Rich Priestland. He's kicking records as well. Um, so, Bowden Barrett. Yeah, tweeted that he said there's too many stoppages, you know, play stops are too long between scrums and lineups in Northern okay. Hemisphere. Which I agree with. Yeah. And it's the thing that really struck me in Super Rugby Aotearoa is how short those gaps are, you know, and it feels like the pace of the game is so much more intense and so much quicker. Uh, even though what's actually happening in between the stoppages isn't necessarily much higher quality than, mm-hmm. you know, than a Champions Cup game. Sure. It's a similar standard. But because play happens so quickly, because teams aren't stopping for anything more than a couple of seconds between yeah. scrum and lineup, you know they get in position to set and then they do it. Mm. It feels more intense. Yeah, um, it feels closer to international standard. Yeah, no, that is interesting as well. And like, I mean, I suppose the longer stoppages mean defenses can get a bit sharper as well. That, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that they're a bit more tuned in. So no, that's an interesting argument. I'm not quite sure where I stand on that. I mean, I think, I think that the thing is right. If mm. coaches see an opportunity of give ourselves a longer rest period when we don't have the ball, then I get it. Yeah. Use that up. Yeah, yeah. And Bowden Barrett will know that very well, of course. So, yeah, no, that's a that's a funny one. Uh, but I suppose objectively for the good of the game and the good of, you know, attacking rugby, I suppose, uh, it's better to have shorter but breaks. We've also seen in both we- both weekends, Paul Williams in particular, mm-hmm. really saying, you know, let's go at every scrum, you know, really trying to press people yeah. as the referee, Paul Williams. Yes, not the Samoan fullback or the not, Or writer. the journalist, yeah. yeah. But the the referee, Paul Williams, really at every scrum shouting, let's go, let's be there quicker, yeah. you know, da, 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 really pushing those standards. Okay. 
which is what it would require. You know, yeah. it would take referees doing it. It's also interesting. It's Bowden Barrett that said that because Barrett is the kind of player who suits the game being at a million miles an hour. Sure. You know? Yeah. Uh, because it leads to things like the Cody try, Cody Taylor try from week one would not be scored in the Northern Hemisphere mm. because defences are well-drilled enough that they're yeah. always watching for that ball. Yes. Whereas it's quite novel in the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, of course. And it wouldn't be at international level because you're used to playing against all different styles and you know types of play. But that try would not have been scored in the Champions Cup, whereas yeah. it's scored in Super Rugby. Yeah. And that's not to say, you know, a forward probably couldn't finish it in the same way. Uh, you know, most hookers in the Champions Cup couldn't finish it in the way Cody Taylor could. Though, obviously, Ken Owens would absolutely do yeah. it. Yeah, no, uh, he definitely he's could. got more pace than uh, an actual bird. But it's, I think it's interesting. I think it's an interesting yeah. distinction there. Yeah. But on the TMO point, right, because the TMO couldn't step in at this point in 2011, it leads to a few moments like that. So the Tommy Bow try that is allowed. And a few minutes into the game, about 10 minutes into the game, Leonardo Gherardini just straight up gouges Kean Healy. Wait, sticks what? a I finger in his eye. Yeah, yeah. It happened. And they play a replay of it. And the commentator kind of goes, hold on a second, that's a gouge. And I then totally missed the, that. The Timo can't step in to point out foul play. Wow. So he just plays on. Like, it's a proper finger in the eye wriggling about. There's two replays of it. And Italy get the penalty because Healy was offside that's or something. That's mental. But he, he properly, like, it's a straight red card. It's like a, should have been like a 30-week ban. It's Jesus pretty Christ. disgusting behaviour. He gets he doesn't only get away with it, Italy get the penalty. That's disgusting, man. Yeah. Has Gilardini done something like that before? Because I, I have this weird feeling he's he's done something really I mean sketchy. he held up Castro when he was trying to cross the line. That's true. So. That's true. So he has he has got a dick of the day nomination on him yeah. before. So I suppose that's 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 worse than any ban that you could possibly be given. <laughs> yeah. Out of DJ okay, yeah. yeah. But yeah, he got, completely gets away with that. So it kind of, in the way, I'll always root for the underdog, but you are a little bit glad the Ireland win when yeah. one of the opposition players gets away with a gouge sure, that's caught, sure. up by, you know, caught by the cameras. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a funny one about, you know, cheering for the underdog, because I think at the time when this was live, I was probably cheering for Italy because, you mm. know, underdog. But watching this, I was just kind of like, I was so bored by watching Italy, which is really annoying because in the games against the USA and Russia, they've been really entertaining. And mm. then... Suddenly, this game against Ireland, they just kind of... I've, it's, a, it's an annoying cliche, and I hate it, but it feels like they kind of went into their shells a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. They, I mean, obviously, as I found out over the course of the Six Nations, I'm massively biased against Ireland, and I really desperately hate them, as I keep being yeah. told over and over again. So obviously, I'd cheer for Italy. Yeah. But I completely get what you mean, that Ireland are trying to do more. Yeah. And it's still... Whereas this Ireland, this you know, it's still... just don't play that well in this game. No. This... It's an island team with Ronan O'Gara at 10, you know? And they're yeah. still playing considerably far, far more rugby yeah. than Italy are. I mean, the whole first half is basically O'Gara just pinning them in the corner. And Italy yeah. do try and stay in the game, you know? that It's sort of it's 9-6 at half-time, isn't it, to Ireland? So Italy, Italy do stay in the game fairly well, but O'Gara is just completely just making sure he puts a foot on the throat and just says, like, no, if you want to play a kicking game with us, then we're going to win this. Italy play exactly the way they did under Nick Mallet. You know, it's yeah. kind of the image of it. Yeah. In that they really front up, they're tough up front. You know, their their pack are, if not dominant, they're always competitive. Yeah. Uh, they're really annoying. Uh, their backs are not up to much, but all of them like to boot the ball. So you will yeah. spend some time in your own half, you know, unless you've got an O'Gara or a Dan Parks type figure sure. who can pin them back. 
There's an interesting thing as well that Alan Quinlan points out in commentary. He says, it's really interesting. Uh, Italy always exit for a box kick. You know, they always hang a box kick to exit. And you're like, hold on, that's that was an interesting, interesting point. Yeah. Because nowadays, that's just what all teams do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At that time, it was novel that a team yeah. would hang a box kick and have their wingers chase and be able to put pressure on it. Yeah. Whereas then, you know, now it just seems like a good idea, an obvious idea, because you have to compete and get a chase up. But then it was fascinating. Uh, at one point, Semenzato puts one out on the full, and I put in my notes, Semenzato more like. Nice. Those, that was the kick. Semen, right, I can't believe where... not better, more like. Nice. That was the kick where um, Nick Mullins, again, uh, after Miles Harrison did it in the previous one, but mm. Nick Mullins compared Semenzato to Troncon. And yes. he said, yeah, they finally found the replacement for Troncon, some people are saying. And do you want to know how well that aged? Mm. also played one more campaign after this. He played four yeah. games in the following Six Nations and never played for Italy again. It's a shame, isn't it? Yeah. Because it was I literally don't for want to curse Stephen Varney. I really <laughs> no. like Stephen Varney. But Stephen Varney's also 19. He's 19, you know, he's yeah. got time. And he's so Well, Semenzato slowly built, and then he had one year where he was really good for Italy. Yeah. And it's easy to overlook it, but he was really good for Italy. Yeah, he was. For he that was. year. But Varney's so good and so young, off. so fingers crossed he's... Varney's actually building. Gone. Yeah. You know? Uh, and it's not like Callum Braley, who came through, looked solid. Yeah. Um, and I kind of think Callum Braley's very close to his ceiling. Yeah. Whereas I don't think Varney's anywhere near his. No, I agree. Varney's got a long way to go, and like, I mean that in the most positive way possible. Yeah. Varney's already better than, considerably better than Braley, as we saw in that last game. Agreed, yeah. And, and Braley's a perfectly solid I'd, player. I prefer but... him to Vialli as well. Whereas I think, in t- if you take the ceiling of like how good they could possibly be, right? Yeah. Braley is currently, I reckon, like 86, 87% as good as he could possibly sure. be. Whereas I think Varney is probably like 65%. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, I, th- I think Varney's got such so much development left in him. Like yeah. him and Garbisi is such a I... promising, exciting pairing. And not to stay on the Garbisi hype train, right? But I reckon Garbisi's stay about 50% of where he could be. Yeah, yeah. You know? I reckon Garbisi's... Oh, Garbisi has been the best in the Six Nations so far. And yeah, I think he's only... I agree. I think he's only about halfway to the player he could be. Yeah, the thing is, right, I think of Garbisi, and the first thing I think of is the insane dummies, the side steps, yeah. the incredible passes. These are the skills that we saw Bowden Barrett doing when he was aged like 21, 22 or whatever. Mm. Or players like that, not to just immediately say he's the next Bowden Barrett or whatever. But frankly, that's not even the best part of Garbisi's game. It's the mm. way he reads like three or four phases time. And like so few young tens have that as just an immediate part of their language as yeah. just right. This pod of forwards will crash it up. And then the next phase, this is when the action happens. And the way that he can communicate with his back line, with his centers and wingers, that that's what, what's going to happen. And like his patience with when his team have the ball is just outstanding. Yeah. If he improves his kicking game, he is going to become such a force in the tens of world rugby. This is it. His his kicking game is the problem at the minute because he yeah. just kind of hoofs it wildly rather than actually yeah. aiming anywhere. Yeah, and it's something he can work on. And sure. you need a coach who understands kicking to come in at Benetton to help him yeah. with it. But if he works on that, he is going to be properly special. He will be probably special yeah. anyway, you know. Yeah. And it was when he first played for Italy in his first couple of games. They're bringing him through so early because he's a once in a generation talent for Italy. I increasingly sure. think he's just a once-in-a-generation talent. Yeah, no, I agree. And this is just proof that no matter what, if you put the two of us in the same Zoom call, it will turn into a Paolo Garbisi hype train. 
Yeah, that's all I want to talk about. You know, all Me I too. want to talk about is Paolo Carpizzi. He's yeah. genuinely probably my favourite player at the minute. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. I love him. He's so good. So good. Yeah. So, let's go back to Ireland Italy of 2011, yes. why don't we? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course the cost well better help can solve those problems it's totally online and built around your schedule it's surprisingly affordable too. connect with a credentialed therapist by phone video or online chat all from the comfort of your home visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10 percent on your first month that's better help h-e-l-p so as i say ireland are leading nine six going into half time and mm. Italy have a promising maul in the Irish 22, which is hurtling towards the Irish try line. They give a penalty advantage and you think, OK, well, if they don't score here, they'll kick it through the posts and they'll go in 9 all. Sounds good, right? Yeah. 9 all, not not bad. You know, you can kick it's off right. in the second it's half. It's all right. And then Mauro Bergamasco just decides, you know what? I've got better ideas. And he just turns around and punches Kean Healy in the face. And it's gets, so stupid. gets the penalty reversed and I'll just obviously kick it out and take half time. But... Why would you do it? It's, I mean, it's a proper, like, near bordering on Valmahina moment. Like, your team is yeah. about to score three, if not five, if not seven points. Like, mm. let's just... And all Healy was doing was he was lingering in offside position. It's not like yeah. he pushed him. It didn't look like he'd said anything to him. It looks like he was stood in an offside position, which was inconveniencing Bergamasco, who was already pushing around quite a lot in the mall and looked quite fired up and angry, which you should be. But mm. not enough that you just decide to punch him. Yeah, and, and it's he didn't get a card when you say a punch. But... No, when you say it's like it's a sort of connects with the bottom of his jaw. Yeah, you know? it was such a shit it's punch. A... He didn't get a card. Exactly, like it's it's one of the, it will be a yellow card. I think nowadays if the TMO could step in and watch yeah. it again. Yeah, whereas but... if he'd landed a good punch on him, it would have been a good, it would have been a straight red. Straight red. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's he was I just mean, I... that bad at punching his opposite man, which is frankly like enough of a dick of the day nomination in itself. But I have it written in my notes as Marrow Berg with a big dumb. Yeah. Which I think sums it up. Parise yeah. is fuming with him. Parise is, is fuming, as you would be, you know. Yeah. If you've got Ireland backpedaling right before half time, you could score a try, as you say, or at least go in level. And it completely changes the conversation at half time. So doesn't it? Yeah. Like you go and you've just scored, the momentum's with you. You're going, come on, lads, let's put them to the sword here. We've got this. Yeah. And instead, you're just going, oh, okay, never mind. It was good while it lasted. Our number seven's a bit of a dick. Like, yeah. it completely changes the mood at half-time. I bet Nick Mallett was fuming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, you can see Parise is so angry with him. Yeah. The point in which, you know, we've seen Parise be angry with referees a lot. But of course we have. But he, this time, is angry with Bergamasco. And he kind of yeah. has a word with him, and he walks off just looking at him. You know, just And that's one of the most experienced players in the team. Yeah, I mean, Mar- yeah. This is Mauro in... Bergamasco. Yeah, he, like, he played in, like, the 99... You know, he's yeah. playing in, like, his, what, his fourth, fourth World, World Cup, Cup here? yeah. You know, fourth of five, and that's what he's done for his team. Like it's, it's really just bad, and like I hate it. 
Like it's yeah. just so negative. And like I've spoken so much about Valmahino and you know mm. what he did, but this is Lovati like as well on the Italy. Lavotti, yeah, it's a great example. Yeah, in the twenty eleven, the twenty nineteen World Cup. Yeah. For, for those who don't remember, uh, Andrea Lavotti. Italy make a great break in the game against the Springboks. They're about to score a try that will put them level. They get right up to the line. And instead, Andrea Lavotti, the prop, just picks up one of the Springbok players and drops him on his head. It's just complete... Like, it's, it's just spear tackle. Like There's just it, no two ways about it. It would be the dumbest thing you'd see in rugby for years if Sebastian Valmahina didn't you know, shoulder yeah. Aaron Wayne right in the face moments, yeah. you know, weeks later. A week later, yeah. I think. But yeah, no, it's a really, really dumb play. And mm. again, like, as you say, it's pretty hard to cheer for Italy at this point, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, coming out for the second half. So at halftime, they bring on Richard Blowjob himself. Yes. And at this point, you can see how much confidence the forwards have in him. When uh, Leonardo Girardini puts in a chip kick as the first and the first play of the second half. So clearly he's thinking, right, we really do not trust Bocchino. So I'm going to take on the chip kick as a hooker. Yeah. And it goes all right. You know, yeah, it's fine. And maybe Gerardini's just taking the fact that he's still on the pitch for granted. He's sure. just going, look, I'm going to try all the shit I've always wanted yeah. to do and never got the chance. Yeah. Uh, so not long after that, Rog kicks another penalty and Ireland go 12-6 yeah. up. And they start to build quite nicely at this point. I think they, they have a few really nice, like, flowing attacking sets. One Ogara misses a drop goal at one point. Yeah. Off, like, it was actually a really good setup. They maybe gave it to him slightly too soon, but... It but was I a good like setup. that as an option. Yeah, of course. You know? Yeah, I do. Because well. it's killing a game. It's they played it like a big World Cup game. And for Ireland, this is the biggest game they can possibly win in the World Cup. Yeah. Well, the final pool game. Do you, know, do you know why he went for that? Why? And I can tell you this objectively. So the score was 12-6. Hmm. If it went over, the score would have become 15-6. Every trialist game in World Cup history all the way back to about 1995 or something. No, 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 no. no. Yeah. It's, has yeah, been 15-6. So... That's been the final score. Every single trialist game since the nineties. Yeah, it's not. So it's, it's not the five. It's two thousand. Agara knows that that will that will put them within more than a converted try. So if Italy do score and it's no longer a trialist game, they're still two points up, and then they can think about scoring. So it was actually a really yeah. smart option to try and turn the score into fifteen six. Yeah, uh, good play by Agara. Good move. knowledge of the history of world rugby, which yeah. then carries on for like it's that's still a to this day. I think it's two thousand and three to current. Right. Because uh, it's infamous that it's the score of the 2007 final. Yes. And, like, there was Scotland-Georgia from early this tournament. There yes. was the Wales-Australia game 2015. Uh, Ireland's win over Australia in this um, tournament. Yes, of course. It was also 15-6. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the most bizarre stat. Yeah. Like, we still haven't had that broken. No. And I really hope 2023 gets through it, you know. I hope we have one 15-6 game or something. Yeah. Just to keep that running with yeah. no other trials matches. That'd be great. But... In the end, they decide that that's they they can give this up because Brian O'Driscoll yeah. scores a try from like Tommy Bowman. How good is he? Really good, really good. He's so good. Like At anything, you know, I don't a brilliant to, to run by him where he gets on the on the outside of two forwards and he delivers this sumptuous offload back on the inside to O'Driscoll who slides in. And again, like that's the point where you just think this is them sliding into the quarterfinals. There's, there's sort of five five to ten minutes into the second half. O'Driscoll slides in and you feel like this is an iconic moment. It's one of those passes, like you see Anton Dupont throw all the time, where yeah. it looks like it's flung wildly, but it's actually spot on, pinpoint yeah. accurate. And it doesn't have to look fancy. You don't have to throw it out the back. Mm. Just throw a normal looking pass while you're getting tackled. And trust me, it'll look good on the cameras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's great. 
Uh, and O'Driscoll just times his run perfectly. He does. You know? Like he starts making that run and timing it and pacing yeah. himself before Bo makes the break, anticipates perfectly, runs it in. Nick Mullins goes mad. It's great. And for the next sort of 10, 15 minutes, Islander are a joy to watch. They just completely switch it on and just go like, right, let's just put them to the sword here. See, um, I disagree because I'm really biased against Ireland. Of course, yeah. yeah, of course. But there's a point where Gordon Darcy has this like 30 metre charge, uh, roughly, mm. where he just, I mean, he just completely runs up Gonzalo Garcia's channel and bounces in and then just keeps going yes. for, for absolute ages. But yeah, there's some great work where they, they go from one touchline to the next. And mm. Bod d- delivers this lovely pass to Ferris, who does a little dummy and a nice offload for Keith Earls, who then scores straight afterwards. And you just yeah. think, right, two tries on the bounce. There's no coming back from this. Yeah, it's a really nice offload by Ferris. Uh, yeah. Takes it really, really nicely. Not part of this game you saw very often. No. Because you saw and him also, being quick and big, but you didn't see him with hands, Murray. Yeah. Unless those hands were picking up Wilgenia. Of course, of course, yeah. That sort of offload that he does when he's sort of swinging from right to left, it's really hard to deliver that offload and make it still go backwards. And he does. Yes. Because like yeah, yeah. on first angle, I looked at it and thought, oh, that must go forwards just mm. because of the physics of the offload. But he does so well to make it go backwards. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I also his width well and dots it down. want to have a moment to ponder the Gordon Darcy break because yes. I think that there's only one possible explanation for why... Darcy able to make that break just on a centre as solid defensively in particular as Gonzalo Garcia mm-hmm. missing that front of tackle. And that is, this is the only time I've seen Gonzalo Garcia completely clean shaven. Oh. Yeah. So the power of his massive ginger beard is gone. And instead, Gordon Darcy, who of course played the best rugby in his life with a massive beard. You know what I've just realised? Has able to the line. Has, mm. Have we checked yet whether... Gonzalo Garcia is some kind of like long distant relative, a friend of the pod, Graham Love. It's possible. It's possible. Just anyone for ginger beard is related. The, it's the it's the flamboyance of the ginger beard because at his best, Gonzalo Garcia's ginger beard was fabulous. Yeah, when he got recalled for the Italy team in about 2016, 17. Yeah, and decided he wanted to kick long-range goals and missed them about five times a game. Yes, yes, of course. I forgot about that. Yeah. I forgot I never Gonzalo saw Garcia, a long-range goal kicker. Me I neither. Never, never saw him get What one. was that all about? Yeah. Why did we, I don't know. Why was there a period where we just decided, yes, we want Gonzalo Garcia to be a long-range goal kicker? I don't know. He scored two penalties in international rugby. Right. And I don't know how many attempted, but I think it was a lot. Because I seem to yeah. remember him li- lining up loads and thinking, goal Garcia, good option, go for the long-range goal. And like mm-hmm. I've said it to you quite a lot throughout the Six Nations, that I think Italy could do with long-range goal kicker. I think that yeah, would be yeah. great if they I had agree. like a Reese Hodge or somebody like that. But at least make sure that they can actually kick it that distance first. Yeah. Okay, I have Googled best ginger beards, right? Do you want to know who come up as the top five on the first article? Go on. So, uh, no, take a guess. Take, I'll give you I'll give you five guesses. No, three guesses oh, for the Christ. five or something. Is one of them from, like, Harry Potter or something by any chance? No. Is one of them a pirate? Uh, none of them are pirates. One of them is a historical figure. Okay. Four of them are living celebrities. One of which you would not expect to be on this list, but you will know who it is. Is it friend of the pod, Graham Love? <laughs> it is not Graham Love. Oh. I don't know. I give up. Uh, this is by The Beard Mag. An American okay. beard magazine. Uh, Conan O'Brien. Okay. Conan O'Brien. Uh, Michael C. Hall, uh, okay. who's the actor best known for playing Dexter in Dexter. Right. Michael Fassbender. Okay. The, you know, acclaimed Irish actor and now rally car driver. 
Uh, King Henry VIII. Oh, okay. And... He was a shit. Adam Kleeberger. No! Adam Kleeberger. Seriously? Yep. We've just come across that and that's just happened to be on there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I had a moment of just like, wait, is this a rugby article I opened? It's like, no, 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 this is just a... This is the first result when you type in best ginger beards. That's insane! Adam also, is a Canadian accurate. rugby player who had one of the most impressive ginger beards we have ever seen. An iconic beard which was the which we are envy of, which we are envious of, of right. which we are envious, should it say. In 2011, Adam shaved his beard for the charity in November. We love how he's used his facial hair to raise awareness for a leading men's charity. Oh, fair play. That's great that they've included Adam Kleeberger. Because, like, again, we've touched upon this in the Canadian Leaving Party, but, like, Kleeberger's beard was the talking point of the tournament for them. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, like, you look at Colonel Brian's beard, right? It's fine. It's all right. Sure. Right. Kleeberger got in purely on the strength of his beard, not his yeah. achievements elsewhere. Not his you know? fame. No. He is in there because he has the best beard. Yeah. Therefore, I think he wins. I do think that they should have included a friend of the pod, Graham Love. But I agree. that's just my I agree. opinion. I think his beard is fantastic. But yeah. whatever. I mean, Adam Kleeberger is a fine person to lose out to, though. So fair play. Sure. He's representing the Squid Rugby World Cup retrospective in that list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's, that's a strong one. I clicked on another article and number two was Emma Stone. And I realise it's just gingers rather than... Oh, okay, not um, ginger beards. <laughs> ginger beards. Because her beard is nowhere near as impressive as Adam Kleeberger's. I don't know. I don't know. I think her husband, etc. I don't know if she's married. I don't know. I was going to go into a thing about the favourite there as well, but it's fine. Yeah. Let's move on. Okay, so, rugby? Rugby. Okay, so, I have written down here... Oh yeah, there's one point where... So, Ireland have a line-out, and they mm-hmm. throw the ball to Jamie Heaslip, who's at the tail... And mm-hmm. he is just beyond the 15-metre channel. And now, mm-hmm. let's test how good a flanker are you. If the ball is thrown beyond the 15-metre channel, what can you then do? Uh, rugby. You can do rugby, exactly. Yeah. But the line-out's over, so you can yeah, exactly. stray offside. But you can now do rugby, and, yes. Yes, you can do rugby, rather than just watching. Uh, you can do mm. rugby. So the ball's gone beyond the 15, the line-out's over. And you know what? This Italian pack, they're smart. They know this. So literally all of them leave the line-out post. <laughs> and Heaslip returns to the floor and just gives the ball to Keane Healy, who just goes completely like, straight through. And Andrea Marti's the only person there to tackle him and hauls him to the floor in the end. But I just found that really funny. Healy does that thing that forwards do sometimes, right? Where you see them charging in that kind of wide angle we have on live coverage, right? And he begins to do a sidestep. And yeah. then the player he's trying to step comes into vision on the edge of the screen. And he's, oh no, he's stepped into them. He hasn't stepped to avoid them. He's stepped to yeah. smash them. He does that on, on this occasion, yeah. doesn't he? And you know what? Marcy does brilliantly. And then like, yeah, I yeah. think it's on this pas- passage of play that Rob Carney goes over the line and Marcy holds him up again. Mm. So, fair play. Andre and Marcy has a... It's a really difficult game to be a fullback, but he does a solid job. Yeah, he does. However, there is one moment which... I reckon I've already decided what clip from this game I'm going to use as part of the promo or I'm going to put on Twitter or whatever. And that involves Andrea Marzi. So there's a point where Ireland kicked to him. And, I mean, I've just got written my notes, Marzi, what the fuck? Because there's a point where he he catches the ball from a kick that Sexton's put up for him in the air. And he does a little goose step and then delivers this nice floated pass. Except he goose steps nobody. 
and he passes to nobody. Yeah. So he just he does this really like elaborately floated in the air pass that goes really far behind Benvenuti, who's trying to support him. And the thing is, the pass goes so badly that all the Italians are scurrying back. And just kind of by law of averages, one of them gets penalised for obstruction and Sexton kicks the penalty over. And, you know, that's Ireland's sort of second to last points of the game. Yeah. It's such an awful piece of play by Marcy. And, like, it's one of those where you're, you're like a kid who's got the ball in the backyard and you're pretending you're stepping around everybody scoring Chesley <laughs> Colby's try in the World Cup final. Like, he's tried to do that. Tried to, like, right, I'm going to do a goose step, then I'm going to do this but, lovely pass. But it's like, no, 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 none of that's worked. You picked the, the wrong one. The amazing thing is, because of how time works, actually Chesley Colby was trying to recreate Andrea Marzi doing that stepping no one. Oh, and he accidentally scored in the, in the World Cup final. final. But he actually scored because right. he actually had people in front of him. Yeah. You see, that's Time smart. Is tricky, that's smart. Wobbly, wobbly. Do that yeah, when there's people yeah. in front of you. You know, I like yeah. that. That's, a, that's he's a onto idea. something there. That's Justin Colby, lad. You know, yeah. I think he goes places. Uh, probably by running there really fast yeah. and beating people. Uh, there's another point where Brian O'Driscoll tries this weird grubber kick tra- type thing, and he yes. just drops it onto his shin by accident, and it just in goes really horribly. Yeah, and don't get yeah, me wrong, yeah. like I don't quite think it's the right option, but I get what <laughs> I really he's going don't. for. But <laughs> I don't. He completely shanks it onto his shin. And Keith yep. Earls just completely like falls over and gets absolutely decked by the ball when he's trying to recover it. Uh, it goes really badly, yeah, and he gains about five yards, and Italy get the throw in. It's the classic mark of a team who are two scores up yeah. and start throwing it about a bit too much. Sure, you know, like they're thinking maybe bonus point, but we're going to need to score try really quickly to get there. Yeah, yeah, but under brimming with confidence at this point, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Sean O'Brien did a handoff and... where he murdered Eduardo Gori as well. And look, they deserve to have confidence because, you know, they've come through the pool really well. They beat Australia. Yeah. They've now put Italy to bed quite comfortably. And it was Italy that really fired up and really pushed them yeah, for about yeah. half an hour or so. And look, they're going to head into the World quarterfinal next week. And they're obviously going to win easily, you know? Yeah, you'd think. But like, they're such heavy favourites. They should beat this Wales team who lost to South Africa, right, who who weren't very good in the Six Nations, took an illegal try to beat Ireland, sure. right? This Wales team will be lucky if they come within two scores of them, you Agreed. know? Agreed. Like, I think Ireland, obviously, they always do really well in quarterfinals. So it's going to be such an easy game the following week. Yeah, exactly. So, look, they might as well just play with all the confidence in the world so they can prepare for this. And, of course, yeah. they bring off Brian O'Driscoll shortly after this as a sort of way of wrapping him in cotton wool and just saying, look, you know, we're going to look after our captain, make sure he's fit for the way <laughs> Get out of that, Brian. Let's yeah. see what you can do. We're just going to trap you in this cotton wool. Yeah. Going to get you wet. So... There's another point where Kian Healy's given the ball just in a normal standard forward yes. pass and boots the ball 50 yards. Yes, great kick as well. Yeah, like it's I a really good kick. to check it wasn't O'Gara just done yeah, the me ball too. pod. Me too. I was thinking like, oh, you know, uh, Sexton's come on and is playing a bit flat and has had a few burgers yeah. before the game, hasn't he? And no, it's a really good kick and like it's really yeah. unexpected. We've and... never seen that from him again as well. No. Like he, he shows he's got, and like when you watch it on the replay, his form and the way he drops yeah. the ball and the way he shapes the kick is perfect. He looks like he's pissing about on the first one, but actually yeah. it's a really smart kick. It's, and I think it's something that teams are now ready for, the option mm. of forwards doing that. Because we, now we've reached we've reached an age where forwards can kick, not that they necessarily do. But yeah, we're going to see more of that in five, ten years' time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you look at, we talked about in the last episode, Geffen Jenkins kicking. Geffen would kick quite a lot. But he yeah. didn't. He wasn't a natural kicker, you know. Like his shape no. was off. Keen Healy was spot on. 
Yeah, it was a great like spiral kick, mm. and it went genuinely about fifty yards. Like, yeah, it was a, obviously the guy has huge legs. Like I wouldn't expect you know him to, to kick a tiny little piece of rubber any less. But still, yeah. it's great seeing prop forwards putting in like really good kicks. And there is there is this narrative that I hate where people when like a front row forward does a good bit of skill and everyone's like, oh, you ditching the front row union there? It's like no, like yeah. forwards have good skills <laughs> now. You know, get with yeah, it. Yeah, they have to. Have. But yeah, no, it's always great to see stuff like that. Mm. No, absolutely, absolutely. We've covered everything in my notes now. Okay, well, I have I have nothing left. Though I suppose Kifo scored another try, doesn't he? He does. There's a point where I wrote Italy do bad attack. But I don't really know. <laughs> that what could that's be any point to, in the yeah. game because there was a lot of that, so it's quite vague. Mm. But yeah, no. And there's another point where Tommy Bow does this uh, grubber kick down the sideline, and he's pretty unlucky not to finish it, mainly because he's tackled off the ball and yes. slid in the wrong direction. So it probably should be a penalty try. So Bow's kind of robbed of two tries in this game, but uh, it's it's nearly a brilliant finish. And I want to call it a good finish, despite the fact he doesn't actually get the five points. But he yeah. manages to go, you know, 70-odd yards, just towing the ball along the floor. Yeah, yeah. And he does so well to get as close as he actually does. But yeah, it's not long after that. that... And it's, again, it has that thing with the TMO that he can't step in and say, because Benvenuti yeah. shoves him off, no, before the try line. Yeah. The TMO then can't say, yeah, he was pulled back. This is a penalty try. You know what I'm car. realising in this World Cup? Benvenuti's what? a low-key shithouse, isn't he? <laughs> It's weird, isn't it? Like, none of us saw this one coming. Like, there was the game against Australia where he just decided, nah, I don't want any of that, and avoided Rocky Elsom and just stepped mm. out of the way of him, drifting, in inverted commas. <laughs> and then this one where he just goes, right, well, I'll push him over. Yeah. And there's been a few moments of Benvenuti doing things where you think, ah, you're, you're just, dancing with the devil here. And there's even the game just taking Russia the kicking. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he just decided, no, 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 I, hey, I am the kicker now, you know? It's like... It's like, have you ever kicked before, Tommaso? He's like, no, but I could do it. You know? Yeah. Looks, looks dead easy. Yeah. Just big dick confidence. Yeah, low-key shithouse. That's, I've yeah. not really realised that until now. But yeah. But no, uh, last play of the game, Andrew Trimble makes a nice break where he sort of dances around one player and he times the pass perfectly to Keith Earls who scores a second try in the corner. And again, uh, like I really like Earls' like, real theatrical dive into the corner yes. as he scores it. And it just feels like, right, this is it. All the hard work, we're out of the group now. Now we've just but, got to carry on to the, the quarterfinal, which we should win. Nick Mullins has also found out an important bit of information between the first and second try. Oh, go on. For Keith Earls. Oh, yes. And so when he crosses, he shouts, Happy birthday, Keith Earls! Because this game was on Earls' birthday. Yeah. And he, he forgot that on the first try. Second try, he made amends. Yeah. And made a big deal out of it, as he should. Yeah. So, happy birthday, Keith Earls. Yeah. Happy, what would you have been? Um, well, there's, there's an extra... Birthday? Keith Earls was only 24, man. Look at yeah. that. There was an extra ring in the onion there. I don't get it. Oh, because I, I, I once said he has a face like a haunted onion. Ah. And I've seen people since refer to him as the onion. Nice. That's a good nickname oh, for as him. an onion. He yeah. should just be called onion. Yeah. Which is the name of a great monkey that I have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's is. not going to be explained. So, <laughs> with that, we come through to the end of this game. Yes. And to our man of the match and our dick of the D. So my... Should we start with dick of the day? Yeah. My dick of the day. I mean, obviously, Gelden Hayes is a, in contention yes. for that puzzle on the floor, which didn't yeah. go quite as planned. But and also, at the start of the game, Jonathan Kaplan, who was refereeing, does some mm. weird salute to the crowd. And I quite is it a Nazi salute? Yeah, to be fair, it just kind of looked like it. But... 
it's because we know his political leanings. Yeah, of course, of course. But yeah, he does some weird gesture before the game, and I, I can't quite figure it out. But frankly, Dick of the Day is obviously Mauro Bergamasco for twatting his opposite man when they're about to score. Like, what <laughs> so, are you doing? I, don't, I just so, can't get my head around it. It's another game really rich in Dick of the Day contenders, pretty much all of them frittily. Gelden yeah. Hayes, as you mentioned, for throwing the pass to the floor. Yeah. You have, there's a moment quite early on, quite soon after that, where Tommy Bow wraps around really nicely, and he runs. It's this move that you think nowadays he'd have someone off shoulder, he'd do the pop ball. Uh, and I was kind of viewing it in slow motion, imagining what would happen nowadays if it was like George Ford or someone wrapping around. Sure. Or Garbizi, Paolo Garbizi, the best player of all time, mm-hmm. uh, wrapping around and giving that little pass. And then Tommy Bow throws the pass despite there's no one running off him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and Bergamasco... Mirka Bergamasco just drops it, doesn't he? Yeah. And he like, tries to... <laughs> it's really like bad. He, he's thrown an intercept cleanly with no one near him. Like, he's thrown a really pass to nobody. Pass. He should go the whole yeah. way. And Bergamasco fumbles it forward, then takes it anyway, gets really angry with nothing because he's Mirko Bergamasco, <laughs> screams at everyone, does his hair up, and then goes back and sets up the And he scrum. boots the ball away as well, in frustration. Of course he does. Oh, so man, that was a really dickish moment, isn't it? Because both Tommy Bow and Mirko Bergamasco really share there, you know? Yeah. Um, are you, so are you giving yours to Mirko Bergamasco? No, I'm not. Oh, right. So it's not the two brothers together. Because they could have been the two of them. The two of them, you know, Maribor as poetic Massey as covered. that would have been. However, my dick of the day. So I was considering, but this was before Maribor Masco's. But even before the interview we got onto, Leonardo Gherardini took a lead for being dick of the day. Okay. So Italy have two really good moors in the first half, right? The second one is ruined by Maribor Masco just bumping someone. Yeah. But the first is ruined because Leonardo Gherardini at the back. As they're crossing the try line, he drops in order to ground the ball a yard early. Right. And so blows the try because oh, he dear. drops short of the line. Uh, and then they go back for the penalty and then they blow it from there. Yeah. And they do crossing the line out or something. Ireland clear. And then moments later, he gouges someone. Yeah, so that's pretty dickish. That is a minute of ruining a try for your own team when all your fellow teammates have done the work for you and got you over the line. All you've got to do yeah. is put it down. And so he doesn't do that. He doesn't wait half a second it would be to drop over the line and then gouging someone that makes pretty getting away with it, it yeah yeah that makes you my dick of the day i think that's so i think that's my justified. second leonardo gherardini dick of the day you see this is the second time i've given mara bergamasco dick of the day as well oh because of course we wore the branded shorts that one time yes and with that we say arrivederci to the italians this is She Gilda Manina by Carlo Bergazzoni. Ah, um, nice. A bit of Italian opera for fitting. you. Yeah, thank you. Yes. I like that. So, Italy, they finished third in their pool. As Which is, makes expect. a real change for them, doesn't it? It's a real yeah. upset for the books, that one. I really yeah. feel for the fact they've got to play New Zealand and France in their pool next time, because they've got a good oh, team Christ. building, but they're just going, it's third again, is it, lads? Yeah. Like, this is a real strong third. We're going to finish a record mm. top third, you know, uh, <laughs> this time. But, no, yeah, Italy, I mean, especially in the, the games against uh, the USA and Russia, they were such great value for money. I mean, uh, yeah. against Russia, Benvenuti was one man who really stood out. I mean, frankly, the two players I'm... who, for me, have been their two sort of star players in this tournament have been Parise and Castro. Uh, mm. And I think it's one of those things of great players playing very well in World Cups is always great to see. And yeah. I really enjoyed watching those two sort of at the peak of their powers. 
Yeah, I wouldn't disagree. I also think it's worth mentioning their game against Australia from early on in the tournament. Yes. Where they were not on top, but they were really level with the Wallabies. Yeah, half, Until half-time. Until directly before half-time. As you say, Semenzato, yeah, had the real stand-up game. Yeah. Um, but as you say, Castro and Parise, excellent. Gherardini and Perugini as well, both excellent when they weren't gouging or being different sure. day-to-wise. Perugini, I thought, was great, other than when he had to move to tight head, which was really harsh on him. Of course, um, yeah. Bless. And, you know, obviously we see... The following season after this, the Premiership changes that, so you have two props on the bench. Yeah. Um, and that kind of phases out. I think there's some of their backs that were really solid as well, though. You know? Andrea Marzi had a good tournament, I think. Andrea Marzi had a good tournament off the back of his, you know, standout Six Nations the year before. Yeah. And, like, Mirko Bergamasco is always Mirko Bergamasco, you know? And if you want a pointlessly angry winger, he's going to do you a magnificent job. Yeah, that's fair. I wouldn't describe the way he played necessarily is good in this tournament. No. But I certainly found him entertaining. Isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You always enjoy watching him because you know you the play he is. You always notice It's Yes. You never come Even off the... going, which player's Bergamasco? <laughs> uh, or if you do, it's because there's two of them. And it's the thing I've always said, you know, like rugby needs more personalities like that, right? Yeah. And I miss Mirko Bergamasco. I miss the really angry winger who started to fight with everyone. The token dickhead in the Italy everything. team. Like, exactly. I know it's now Jake Pelletri, but like, face, I, it's not the same. But like, he's now shit house. Dis- how distinctive he was as well. You yeah. Know, to look at. And the fact that he took the goal kicking. Yeah. The, the fact that, you know, he's that cynical. Famously, well, famously, no one else wanted to do it. And he went, all right, I'll have it. You know, yeah. I'll take the shot at goal. Uh, and ended up with a kick. He ended up kicking one of the most famous kicks in Italian rugby history against France yeah. to win it. But I, I'm a huge fan of him. I remember Jiffy saying once during the Six Nations that most goal kickers are really cool, calm, collected characters. You know, the, the Johnny Wilkinsons of the world, or Lee Harper, sure. or someone who, you know. Whereas Bergamasco is so fiery and over the top that he just yeah. like, hits the ball like he hates it. Yeah. I'm not just talking about Mirko Bergamasco, but yeah, I think Castro, Gherardini, Perugini, Parise, standouts. Parise had a bit of the ego that would later go on to define him coming through at this point already. Yeah. And if I was to, to finally pick a dick of the tournament for Italy, it would go as a joint to the Bergamasco brothers. <laughs> yes. I mean, you can't see them and not give it to them, yeah. you know? Like, just just to share. Just have something to take home with them. I've just noticed we didn't pick a man of the match. Did we not? Oh, yeah, no. of course we didn't. So I'll quickly say, I think Tommy Bow was brilliant. But mm-hmm. for me, there's two contenders. One of them is Keen Healy. And I'm going to give it to Sean O'Brien because I think he okay. carried everything and always made yardage, made some real dominant hits, and he was just everywhere. I had largely the same kind of, Tommy Bowie, who plays really well. O'Driscoll has a few really nice touches. Yeah. I think Conor Murray was very good. Yeah. Conor Murray was well in contention for me, but it's Keen Healy. Yeah, I am that's fair. giving it to I'm really Mr. glad Keen you Healy. gave it to him because, like, there is a part of me that thinks that what Healy was the better of the two. But yeah. I don't know. Uh, so I'm glad that we've each given him a vote. Yeah, so we've, we've split the vote there. Okay, cool. That is decided. Yeah. And that brings us to the end of the pool stage. That's mental, isn't it? So it's we've done mad. 40 episodes of this now. So we only have left the quarterfinals. Yep. Yeah. Thoughts on the pool stage, everything, you know, talk to well, me. So we, we have our lineups of quarterfinals. Yeah, oh, of course. We yes. have Ireland and Australia go through from that pool. So we start there. Ireland, obviously, I think Australia looked like the best team in this pool. Yeah. But they very much came out second best in the um the encounter between the two teams. Yes. Um, to accidentally get a job on the BBC Scrum Pie podcast for a moment. The then have from the next pool we have England qualifying in first, 
and we Somehow. have Argentina qualifying in second. Yeah. yeah, which is that's such a weird pool because I, I don't think any of the three teams in contention were that good. Yeah, that Argentina team felt like the thing is part of me felt like they scraped through. Obviously, they, they did. Yeah. They got quite lucky to beat Scotland with that Amorosino try, and Scotland really, really felt disappointed to not get through that yeah. pool. The annoying thing is, more than anything, they're going to infect the rest of the tournament with the bad goal kicking. Yes, that's the worry, isn't it? That pool, I'm just glad, is done because it was such a wretched, awful thing. And none of the teams in it were any good at all. No, no. (laughs) They were all bad. Yeah. Like, And it was, by Romania standards in a lot of tournaments, that was solid for them, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah. But... But no, it was that was a difficult pull. Yeah. So yeah, next pull was so we then have I mean I've I've done them out of order, but yeah. New Zealand and France qualifying. Yeah. I mean it's hard to argue with even though France lost to Tonga, so they well, clearly they won't go very far, will they? Playing at the France would just one stand, you know. They were just completely all over the place Bonkers, and yeah. no one quite knew what to make of them at any given point. Yeah. And in that way, as we're looking at it from here, you have no idea what to expect them in the quarterfinals. No. No. But you also know England are a bit rubbish and massively overrated, so they yeah. could battle them. So England are playing France in the quarterfinals. Yes. That's... At the time, I, th- I remember thinking that was a really tough one to call. Uh, I mm. think being pessimistic, I expected England to win. Uh, but I was hoping France would. Mm. So the final pool... We then have South Africa qualifying on top, with Wales in second. Yeah. So South Africa play Australia in the quarterfinals... Yes. In which I was thinking South Africa would that, win. That looks like the least controversial quarterfinal of them all. Yeah, And agreed. the one we're least likely to be talking about in 10 years' time. Agreed. When someone's doing a podcast on this. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree. Do you, can you imagine if someone does the Squeeze Rugby World Cup retrospective retrospective we've, we've in 10 years' this, time? We've discussed this, We've discussed this, let's, cool. let's do it. Okay. Yeah, we'll do a commentary episode uh, <laughs> where we look at the first episode on New Zealand against Tonga and uh, we'll just talk about us... And uh, mm. how how bad we we were at the start. It can be like our we can remember the jokes about can't believe it's not butter, and we can deconstruct oh, my story about deconstructing a joke about can't believe it's not butter. That would be so funny. Uh, it would be so funny. South Africa clearly the best team in that pool. You know, absolutely battered Namibia and absolutely battered Fiji. Yeah. Uh, and the Samoa game was far closer, but the Samoa game against Wales was closer still. Hmm. Yeah. So... I mean, Wales have uh, starting to win the hearts of the. Um the fans of the, the, this tournament but mm. so Wales play Ireland uh, Ireland famously great in quarterfinals um, yeah. so you know they'll go into this feeling optimistic uh, I mean to be honest I remember going into this game thinking that I, I wasn't too optimistic I remember thinking like Wales are good but I think getting to the semi-finals is a bit too far um, mm. so yeah we'll report back on that on how that goes look based on based on everything we've seen so far Ireland should absolutely batter them, you know? Yeah. Shouldn't even be a contest, really. It would just be complete runaway success for Ireland. Yeah. I obviously hate them more than anything, so because I'm massively biased against them. Yeah. But I do think they should win easily, which is what the media's always told was telling me at the time. Yeah. And I was saying this is Ireland's year. Yeah. You know, they're gonna they're gonna go not necessarily all the way, but they're gonna go really far. Yeah. And really, really push the All Blacks, perhaps. And so the final quarterfinal is the All Blacks against Argentina. Yes. So, as I say, Argentina just about worthy for their spot in the quarterfinals uh, with the Amorosino try. And, mm. I mean, 
I'm looking forward to seeing Amorosino inevitably starting above Rodriguez and dancing around the entire All Black team. No, no, the, That'd be fun, the All Blacks obviously kind of coasted through that pool. So this is, sort of, I mean, the France game in theory was a big test, but they coasted through that. So this is the the first big test for them. You know, physically, that yeah. Argentine pack is going to give them a bit of hassle. Like it's going to take them at least a long time to break them down in the way France were the complete opposite yeah. and were terrible and then suddenly woke up right towards the end. Yeah. But obviously you can never write off the All Blacks, uh, even with Dan Carter out injured. Yeah, which is, I still can't believe that. You know, I never saw that one coming. No, me neither. Um, not now, not then, never, never, no. never. Never will. So who are you predicting, right? So we're saying Ireland will beat Wales and easily, easily, easily go through. Yeah. Um, uh, so England or France. Will, oh, oh, okay. Um, England or France? England, narrowly. England narrowly. South Africa. South Africa will beat Australia narrowly. I think this is a good Australia team, though. It is a good. It's a great Australia backline. But I think quite South fancy team, Australia. This South Africa Depends team. Depends on the type of game. I think they know how to win games scoring, between box. Right? If it's low scoring, if it's something like I don't know, like like nine eleven or something, you know, if it's something quite tight, then yeah. I nine eleven's unfortunate, isn't it? Yeah. Like yeah. Then I reckon South Africa would win it. But I can see it usually yeah. being a higher scoring game than Australia winning. So I'm going to say Australia in a high scoring fixture. Okay, I'm going to South Africa. Okay. And finally, um, we have New Zealand the, Argentina. How do you see that one guys? The, the All Blacks will win that. That's fine. Like the, you reckon? Argentina, okay. I reckon, will probably score like an early try, um, maybe through like Cabezas or something. Uh, and then from there You're on. You're giving it'll be too many spoilers win. away for things that might happen in the future. But well, anyway. how do I know them? I don't know anything that happened in the future. Exactly. So we're saying, right, uh, Ireland. England, you're saying South Africa, I'm saying Australia. Yeah. And the All Blacks will go through. Uh, Why did um, I say the All Blacks? Then, okay, do you think Argentina will win? Yeah. Okay. But, see, no, I I think Austra- New, the All Blacks will beat Australia, South Africa in the semi-final anyway. Okay. Um, and then Ireland will play England in the semi-final. And England are really good, but Ireland... Well, Ireland have, Ireland have never lost a semi-final. So oh, I think yeah, they'll win that's that. that's Well... Yeah. Something I just remembered about is that... Do you remember on Facebook, there used to be this thing where you could do, like, notes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can remember at this point in the tournament, I was, I was 14 years old, I just yeah. wrote in there, like, my predictions for the whole, like, the quarterfinals. Can we get it? Can we get it up? Facebook notes no longer exist. I have looked for this in the past. Oh, uh, man. I'm pretty sure... Oh, no! I'm pretty sure I predicted Wales to win an extra time against Ireland. <laughs> I'm going to look up if there's a way to get old Facebook notes. Come on. Okay. Come on. Don't let us down. Click on activity log. Okay. Activity log. Got it. Start date 2011. Okay, okay, okay. Have we got it? Hang on, hang on. I'm going to do my best to find it. So this was what? September, October 2011. Yeah. I voted in Rugby World Cup's poll. Okay. To say Richie Gray was my second row of the tournament. Nice. Oh, Christ. There's... I used Facebook a lot in 2011. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I found myself commenting on people's status, telling them to support Wales. Oh, that's wholesome. Yeah. I voted in Rugby World Cup's poll saying I thought Wales were going to win. The World Cup? No, the, the, the quarterfinal. Against Ireland. Okay. So I did actually think, okay, no, the, the note is unavailable. Oh, that's a huge shame. Yeah. Zuckerberg, this is the worst thing you've ever done. Yeah. Uh, there is a chance that I just deleted it a few years later, of course. Well, that's but... boring. Yeah. Never mind, eh? But yeah, okay. that did happen though. And mm. I, as I say, I predicted Wales to win on penalties, I think, or something like that. So, yeah. That, 
that may or may not have happened, but there's only one way to find out. You can't Google it. You have to tune into this podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of things you have to tune into this podcast for, of yep. notes to be read out. So, we asked some episodes ago for Deacon Manu fan fiction. Whoa! Okay, 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 okay. Okay. I then, last week, received a tweet. I apologise, I've lost their Twitter handle. Okay. Uh, but they are listed. This is on Archive of Our Own, which is a fan fiction okay. website. They are on here as Nothing Was Simple. Okay. They have also written Game of Thrones fan fiction. Okay. They have written some before and after okay. this. Mostly Game of Thrones fan fiction looking for the profile. But they're experienced. They know what they're doing. So I'm expecting they're, some high quality uh, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, I'm exactly. going to get Deacon Warner fan fiction. I can't wait for this. They've written some, a lot of their fan fiction, their sort of Game of Thrones fan fiction or so on, is, some of it is like north of 22,000 words long. Right. So it's long. This is not as long. Okay. And it's called Rainfall Was in Clenefly. Okay. Like nothing was simple. Okay. I want to begin by adding the note that this says, this work could contain adult content. Okay. Thank if you. If you proceed, for... you will have agreed to such a content warning. Okay. Thank you for the um, the heads up. Tags include Deacon Manu, the stat sheet. The shipping is listed as Deacon Manu slash the stat sheet. The other tags, four squid rugby. I regret this deeply. Free form, not proofread. Because I'm not spending any longer than 20 minutes on this. 20 minutes was far too long. Respect. I'm truly sorry. The description of the of it then reads, This is for the Squid Rugby podcast. You asked for it, Robbie. You have only yourself to blame. I would like to add, yeah, you my can't brother is also to blame. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a joint blame situation. Okay. So. <laughs> Rain falls in Clonethley. Nothing was simple. South Wales was cold and wet and lonely. Rain fell in the sheets as he drove home from the park of Scarlet. Shop front lights blurred in the ever-falling droplets. Every part of him ached from training, and he wondered why he even tried. Deep down, he knew. <laughs> Waiting at home as fresh fallen snow with perfectly highlighted features, she was waiting for him. Spread out on the kitchen table or lying on the bed. It always comes back to her, doesn't it? The stat sheet. He had been underperforming for months. He knew it. The coaching staff knew it. But it was the stat sheet who really drove the point home. Theirs had not been a happy union since his form had begun to dip towards the end of the previous season, every time he ran out in front of the Clenefly crowd, he knew that it wasn't the fans or even the head coach, who was Nigel Davis at the time, by the way, he wanted to impress. It was her. <laughs> it harmed his game, going for metres made rather than effective carries, only tackling people he <laughs> knew he could take. But the allure of positive stats was too much to resist. No. <laughs> He had to end it now, before it got too late. Before his contact was cut and his career ended, he would break up with her tonight. He had to. He couldn't. What motivation would he find with her no longer in his life? How could he continue to drag himself onto the pitch? He was getting old now, over 30. A fossil, Wales Online had recently called him. Every time he went online after a match... Calls for him to be dropped were levelled at the club. 
Oh, Retiring was an option, but what to do next? Punditry, he lacked the charisma. Coaching required too much thought. He had a great career coaching Hong Kong Scottish, I'll have you know, but whatever, carry on. <laughs> Don't you say that about his charisma. <laughs> he, he pulled into the driveway and sat in his car, thinking about what his future may hold. I can decide later, he lied to himself. She called to him as he took off his dripping wet coat. A little birdie told me you made 23 tackles at training today. <laughs> at that moment, Deacon Manu knew he was doomed like a fly in a spider's web. He would never be free. The end. That's incredible. And like, it's, it's so good that like, I genuinely had a point where I was like, no, 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 Deacon, you can't break up with her. And then there was a point towards the end where before the whole thing about you made 22 tags in training, I forgot that it was a statute we were talking about, not a woman. <laughs> I forgot what we were talking Deacon about. Deacon Manu, it is the same thing. Yeah. Uh, there's a comment from Harlequin87 who says, this is horrifying, brackets, I love it. <laughs> to which nothing was simple replied, it is horrifying, brackets, I don't love it. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh man, that's incredible. Nothing was simple. That's that's so good. I enjoyed that and only 97% ironically. <laughs> I I want to say yeah, enormous thank you. And that's incredible. I love that. Enormous that's kudos such great. That. Great engagement that. And 29 people have read it before me. That's that's incredible. So I'm two of them. So there's there's 27 other people who probably love his Game of Thrones fanfiction and are really confused. Yeah, about what podcasts he's listening to that leads to whatever that was. Yeah. But also, I had a notification earlier about somebody else replying to the Chad Plato thing, tagging that zebra. Oh, nice. So, <laughs> nice. Keep going, lads. He's, uh, <laughs> he's going to start someday soon. But yeah, no, that's incredible. Thank you so much. Nothing was simple. That's, that's such, as I say, I am in awe. There is no better way to round out the pool stage, I believe. Yeah, I agree. So we'll see you after the Six Nations finishes for yeah. the first quarterfinal, which is Ireland against Wales. Ireland against Wales, first quarterfinal. Okay. Yeah, we'll come Very back to the Six Nations. Yeah. I'm afraid, yeah, I'm going to be working a lot to try and fill that so we won't have time to yeah. watch the game and do it justice on here. Yeah. Which, not something we've done at all anyway, but no. I haven't. But yes, so we'll return then. In the meantime, thank you to everyone that's listened. Thank you to everyone that has contributed, be it with fan fiction or otherwise. And we will see you very soon for Ireland. Not that soon, but very pretty soon. Pretty soon. For Ireland against Gales. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 